gift of hindsight, maybe we saw this coming. Maybe even as confident as we were feeling after the Padres mustered a combined one hit and zero runs against Zach Wheeler, Sir Anthony Dominguez, and Jose Alvarado in game one, maybe we just kind of knew that things weren't going to be quite that easy in game two. Even with Aaron Nola going on the mound for the Phillies, as good as he's been late in the season and in the playoffs, Maybe it was just never going to be quite that easy. And so it isn't. On Wednesday, the Phillies dropped game two of the NLCS to the Padres 8-5 to after jumping out to a 4-0 lead in the top of the second inning thanks to a handful of bloops, a handful of well-placed broken bat singles and bleeders and Texas leaguers that really, even as unconvincing as they were in the in their authority and their contact really kind of made it seem like, oh, okay, maybe the Phillies really are going to do this. They put together some good at-bats against Padres starter Blake Snell. They got some good results, even if the contact wasn't amazing. And that's a four-run lead. And Nola's pitching at the top of his game. You have to feel good. And then, well, things didn't go so well. Right immediately in the bottom half of the inning, the Padres hit back-to-back home runs on back-to-back pitches. Brandon Drury on a screaming liner over the short left field wall. And Josh Bell with a screaming missile of a bomb down the right field line. And it was just that way for the rest of Nola's time out on the mound. Even as he shut the Padres down for the third and fourth inning, when they were putting the ball in play, they were putting the ball in play hard. And in the fifth inning, that didn't really change either. Eventually, things just completely unraveled. And, well, you watch the game. I'll spare you reliving the details. Fast forward a bit, and the Phillies can only muster one run in response after Manny Machado attacked on a solo home run in the bottom of the seventh. Reese Hoskins answered with one of his own in the top of the eighth. And 8-5 to was your final score. The Padres, after being one hit, had 13 hits and sent the Phillies back to Philadelphia with a split. Now look, it's another one of these Atlanta situations, right? The circumstances are distant, but similar. The Phillies jump out to a 1-0 lead on the road. They have a chance to go up 2-0 and really seize control of the series. They have one of their best pitchers going on the mound in that game to try and secure that advantage. And it just doesn't work out. On the back of a particularly bad inning. Really, two innings, I guess, if you want to be a little less charitable. And I don't really blame you. It doesn't feel good to lose a playoff game. But the situation is the same. And the floor, as Matt and I talked about in our last episode, that we set to see the Phillies achieve was accomplished. They leave San Diego with a split. They got a game on the road. And you know what? They're coming back home for three games this weekend. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I'll be there on Saturday. See you. And if they take care of their business at home, that one bad inning or those two bad innings, they do not matter. They will no longer matter. Even if they just win this mini-series within the series, they go back to San Diego up 3-2. Ideally, you don't have to take that cross-country flight. Ideally, you don't have to get back on a plane out west to San Diego. Ideally, you wrap it up. You take all three of these, and that could still happen. There's no reason to think it won't. One thing to keep an eye on, of course, 
is that even as good as you can feel about the chances of this team playing well at home, and you should, they're a much better team at home than they are on the road, uh, it's not exactly going to be the cleanest path pitching-wise. On Friday, San Diego is going to send Joe Musgrove, who had no hitter earlier this year and has had a, a good season, against Ranger Suarez, who has been a little up and down lately. Not really sure how many innings he can get you. Hopefully five, maybe. Seems optimistic, but that that sounds like something I would take. And then Friday, things start to get very interesting. Friday is a planned bullpen game within the National League Championship Series where maybe Bailey Falter will start. Maybe Noah Syndergaard will get another start. We're not really sure. Not really even totally positive if the Phillies are sure at this moment. But things get interesting very, very quickly. And Game 3 becomes very important. Say the Phillies drop Game 3 at home to go down in the series two games to one. Well, then they're faced with that bullpen game and another game right after that on Sunday. No days off. And no days off between games five and six either. The pitching situation is tenuous. Now, thankfully, the bullpen hasn't been worked too hard. Connor Brogdon got in the game yesterday on Wednesday and looked pretty good. So you take that. Uh, Brad Hand and Andrew Bellotti did not look that great, and David Robertson served up the home run to Machado. So mm, don't really love that. Kyle Gibson got the last four outs. I do not know how you factor him into these next three games if you can when the score is closer than four runs. I don't know. Maybe somehow he does get a start somewhere. I I, I don't think so. But you can't rule it out. He's on the roster. So the bullpen is in a decent spot, budget-wise, pitch count-wise. They'll be okay, at least to start the weekend. What really needs to happen, I think, has nothing to do with the pitching. If this team is going to win and continue to win and push their way toward the World Series, they're going to need to hit better than they did in Game 2, better than they did in Game 1. Game 1, they had three total hits. Two of those happened to be home runs, which is great, obviously. Against the Padres, against the Astros or Yankees, however far you get, these teams are going to hang around. They're going to make you pay for that. And the Padres did that yesterday. So what happens now? Well, what happens now is the Phillies still have the advantage as far as I'm concerned. It's not a huge advantage. It would definitely be bigger if they had won on Wednesday, but things are still looking okay, even with the pitching the way it is. Even given the fact that Nola did not have his best stuff and have his best outing, I still like where the Phillies are at. Consider they have this Ranger versus Joe Musgrove um, game on Friday for game three, and then the bullpen game, game four. Let's say they're tied at two games apiece after that and go into game five. Well, guess who's back? Zach Wheeler. You got to feel good about that, right? You got to feel great about having Zach Wheeler going in game five, which is going to happen. There's going to be a game five. So you like your odds anytime Zach Wheeler takes the bump right now. Just as you liked them when Nola took the mound yesterday, and you have to still at least kind of like them, even as well as the Padres were hitting Nola. Think of it as the home version of what these first two games just were. What did you want to do? You wanted to at least get a split, right? Well, now you have the opportunity to do the same thing, 
bring it back to another micro series within the series, have it be a best of three, and Zach Wheeler and Aaron Noller are going in two of those games again. There you go. So you just got to stick with it. Joining me now, back for his second appearance on Philly's Therapy as a special guest, an elite club that not many can claim membership of, Michael Bauman, Fangraphs.com. Bauman, how you doing out there? I'm doing okay. I'm. It's cold out here now. I'm suddenly worried they're going to move me to the aux box for, uh, for games three to five, where there is little heat. Where well, it's outside. Oh so, well, there like, you go. The, the open air press box is bad enough, but I might need to invest in, uh, in hand warmers. I'm glad we're we're doing this before I go out and do my my pre game four errands or pre game three errands. So, I uh, might have to go pick up some hand warmers too. Yeah, no, thank you for explaining that to the un- uninitiated. I've actually never been inside the press box, either auxiliary or proper. Go figure. It, anyway. You might never get there because the first time <laughs> I went to Citizens Bank Park as a member of the media, I got lost six times in the first hour I was there. Oh, yeah, that uh, might make so, it tough. Yeah. Anyway, thank you for taking uh, a little bit of a slice of time in your in your marathon pregame podcasting uh, throughout your number of other duties to to hop on here. and help me talk through a little bit of what we saw in game two and get set for this, this home stretch here, this middle meaty home part of this NLCS game two, as we all saw, and we were all, uh, as I was just talking about leading up to this, did not go the Phillies way. They lost eight, five. They had a four, nothing lead, blah, 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 blah. Some people are probably getting flashbacks to the, the lone lead in St. Louis. I, I say pump the brakes a little bit. Was it really that bad of a loss or can we really just revert back and say, hey, they got the road split. That's exactly what we wanted baseline. That's how I'm looking at it. I mean, I'm trying not to dwell too hard on uh, the fact that they had a four run lead and blew it. Uh, It's uh, but the only other times the Phillies have blown four run leads in the playoffs have been particularly heartbreaking uh, examples Uh, So I understand everybody who's fixating on that, but you just have to look at the results. And I think the fact that they fought back a little, that Hoskins got a home run, uh, that it didn't turn into something worse than what it was. uh, I wouldn't be that concerned about the results. I think the bullpen usage uh, is the only thing that I'm really worried about going to Brad Hand in that situation. Rob Thompson's not the only manager who's made the mistake of of undervaluing uh, a situation around the fifth inning. Uh, in the past couple days. So uh, he's not unique in that respect, but I do think that, that this was a winnable game. And if they don't end up winning this series that it probably won't turn into as haunting a loss as St. Louis, just because expectations were lower, but it's, it's going to be a hard one to look back on. Yeah. I, and those two examples you mentioned, of course, St. Louis and the, uh, in the 93 world series, the thing I think, we should be looking forward to if we're leaving game two in the past and we should, cause I'm with you. I, I think that was, that was bad. It wasn't a great loss. I don't like how the offense didn't further capitalize on Snell, mm-hmm. even though it's not like they were stinging the ball when they scored in the second inning, regardless, neither here nor there lost the game, even coming back home. Great. We've got that baseline. We've got the four. And now things get a little bit interesting. Because on Friday's game three, we have Ranger Suarez against Joe Musgrove, which is a pretty standard starting pitching matchup. But it leads into some craziness in game four because we might see a a little bit of a repeat of this bullpen uh, game. 
is that something we should be worried about? Does that just increase the importance of game three or can we expect or feel at least confident that the staff can carry this team through a bullpen game sort of like they did in the last series? Well, I think it's hard to be anything but encouraged by how well Syndergaard pitched last uh, time out, whether it's him or Bailey Falter who gets most of the innings. Uh, I'm glad they're having it at home, not just because that's probably going to be the the highest variance game, so you want every little advantage that you can get you know, in terms of home field advantage, but also because it's a better run scoring environment. And I think if there's going to be you know, the Padres are not going to, whether they throw Clevenger or Manaya or they do something weird uh, with that, uh, with that spot in the rotation, it, the Padres are going to be able to get got to. So it's not something, you know, it's not a situation where you're facing, um, you know, you're facing a pitcher who's going to go seven scoreless innings and you need to get every out that you can out of your bullpen. And it's just like, throw your hands up and pray. I think that, you know, they're, every pitching matchup in this series is going to be winnable. Um, But all things being equal, that's probably going to be one of the higher scoring games of the series of the series. So I would rather have it in the better run scoring environment. That being said, even though the pitching matchups don't really look overpowering from the Padres side necessarily, does the offense concern you at all? I know it's kind of weird to say that on the heels of scoring five runs in Petco, but it didn't really look like a super strong effort, you know, 13 strikeouts against one walk scored most of their runs on pretty soft contact. This is kind of continuing a trend now where a lot of the offense with the exception of Harper and on occasion, somebody like Segura or the well-timed big hit here and there, it hasn't really clicked. Do you look at that as more of a, Oh, they're due eventually more, more hitters in this lineup are going to click or are they a little bit in their heads? Are they all in something of a collective rut? Does like, does last weekend count, you know, like the third and fourth games that are in the past. I think they, you know, they got shut down by two really good pitchers and even shut down is a, you know, I think a, um, an overstatement. I, I think Snell, all things considered, pitched pretty well yesterday. And that's, you know, he's, he allowed the one big inning where there wasn't a lot of hard contact. I think they're just doing, they're doing a lot of good things. Like they were getting the, um, getting the bat on the ball. And when you do that, good things happen. And, you know, I've got no real problems with the offensive output yesterday. Uh, You know, the game one, I think was the more frustrating offensive game, but that's just a result of you. Darvish was being a really tricky pitcher to, to hit like the watching a lot of those guys takes, you know, strike three down the middle on, on fastballs um, is frustrating, but like, that's what he does to, to offenses. And so you just got to, connect you know the the one time you really read a pitch well and that's that's what uh harper and schwarber did and so i no i don't have a problem with the way the offense is going it like i think they they got out pitched that's the the moral of the story in game two yeah thank you sometimes i have to kind of tee these things up to almost make it seem like i'm being devil's advocate or something like that when okay. in reality i, I agree because i was worried you were suffering from short-term no. memory loss there no like, do you remember like what these guys did to to spencer strider and the braves like yeah of, i mean of course of course i do look the the fact of the matter is you pull up the you pull up the the stat lines for each of these guys throughout the whole playoffs and you see some really kind of deflated numbers there are a lot of guys who on the whole just they haven't been awesome 
but they have gotten the hits when they've needed to by and large. And that's why they're at this point. You know, Matt and I have talked about this before. It's just, it, it's, it's timely hitting more than red hot all the time. Everybody OPSing 950. Yes. And I think that's right. And like, it's also eight games. And as long as like Harper's going and Rio Muto's going and like somebody else somewhere in the lineup is going like, you're going to score runs that way. So, you know, there's been a lot that's concerned me about, jeez, uh, about basically everybody in the lineup this playoff run so far. But the nice thing about having nine guys who can hit in your lineup is somebody's going to be making contact at some point, most of the time. And like in a game that's as probabilistic as baseball, it's just about stringing those opportunities together when you can. And, you know, the hits are going to come from somewhere. They always have this, this postseason. And so just to wrap up our little quick hit here, cause you got more stuff to do. You're a busy man. <laughs> What's your gut telling you about these three games here this weekend? How are you feeling about them? What do you see going down? What are your keys for the Phillies? Hopefully taking at least two out of the three. So I was just, I just wrapped up recording an episode of fan audio with, uh, our roster resource guru and San Diego Padres fan, Jason Martinez, uh, which I'm going to bring up now because you didn't let me plug my stuff last time before, before <laughs> you cut me off and ended the episode. Um, but we sort of wrapped up on this question and yeah. I think there's a decent chance they win all three. Like, yeah, I don't think the, I think the, the pitching matchup doesn't favor them in game in game three, but I think that's more about Musker being good than not having faith in Ranger Suarez, even though he's gotten knocked around a couple times. Um, I really like this offense in front of this crowd. I think the one thing that I'm worried about is if things go bad early in game three, I think everybody is so the fact that everybody's so hyped uh, and, you know, the players feed off that energy from the, the home crowd. The fact that everybody's so hyped it's hand in hand with sort of a fatalistic pessimism uh, that's maybe particular to, to Philadelphia fans who are always expecting, you know, something to go wrong. And I think if that prophecy reveals itself early, like somebody particularly Harper or Machado or not Harper or Machado, uh, Soto or Machado um, delivers a big blow early in game three while the Phillies are struggling to break through against Musgrove. I think that could take the crowd out of it. That's basically the only thing I'm worried about. I think that I would expect them to take at least two out of three. Um, and I think that there's a, a chance that they, they wrap it up and don't even bother going back to San Diego. You know, with that said, these are the two most chaotic teams in this postseason field. Definitely. So anything's, you know, anything's possible. And I think that, you know, as, one thing I do want Phillies fans to sort of to embrace with this series is that it's going to be incredibly stressful, but also that it's going to be just good, fun, dramatic baseball. I have, you know, whatever, whether it's high scoring, low scoring, I think both of the games that we've seen so far have been just tense and, you know, come down to dramatic action late on. And I, that I expect every game of this series to, um, to end up that way because these teams are not, not just evenly matched, but so similar. So whatever happens, it will probably not be fun in the moment, but I think, you know, I would encourage everybody to, to try to keep that perspective and, and uh, know that looking back on it, like, I think this is a series I'll tell you right now, like if you're not connected with the, the national baseball scene, like this is 
this is the one everybody's enjoying the most, um, maybe in the the entire postseason. I think everybody's really hyped for for this one. So I think just you know in, enjoying that time in the spotlight uh, is going to be important, even if you're going to want to jump off a bridge while it's actually happening. <laughs> well said. Yeah, in the moment, it can be really hard to uh, to stay grounded and have that perspective. It, it it usually takes me at least about a half hour or so after a game ends to really come back down and be like, okay, here's where we're actually at. While the game's actually going on, yeah, like I was, I was not enjoying myself during that fifth inning. No. I was gonna be like, oh no, the whole series has turned. But I think it's good that a lot, most of like what I've seen, you know, just from from watching our friends on Twitter is, I think everybody seems to be in about the same boat we are. Where like, yeah, game two was a bummer, but the split is like that's still a good position. Yeah, and I think I think everybody's you know generally pretty optimistic going forward. So. You know, I'm I'm not saying like this is a, a house money situation, but I, I do think that like the expectations for this team have been met and exceeded. And now like everything that, that you get on top of that is, um, you know, they don't have a lot to lose and they're they're playing, I, I think, pretty loose. And, uh, you know, I think that's that's going to serve them well. I think it's you know going to make for a good atmosphere. Beautiful. Well, depending on when you're listening to this on Thursday, all of you out there, uh, be sure to go ahead and head over to Fangraphs.com. Check out Bauman's Fangraphs audio with Jason Martinez, who I thought was a Cleveland fan for some reason. I don't know why I thought that. Um, but now he is our enemy. Noted. No, uh, he's a nice guy. Leave him alone. <laughs> yeah, he is. No, roster resource is amazing. Yeah, that's one of the that's one of the greatest tools, I think, on on the entire internet for baseball people. Um, anything else you're working on? Um that you'd like to plug since I will give you that proper chance this time. Oh, thank you. Uh, (laughs) If you want to go back and and read my stuff from the last series, uh, but I'll be uh, on the ground at citizens bank park all weekend. I'll be recapping all three games for fan graphs. I'm also appearing on the TSN racing pod uh, later this evening uh, with Tim Haraney to talk about the forthcoming United States Grand Prix. So if you're an F1 person, uh, you can listen to, to that wherever podcasts or, or pervade that should be up about the same time this one is beautiful stuff michael bauman fangraphs.com thanks so much for hopping on man all right my pleasure